Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the podcast. It is podcast episode technically 119, but it's season five of our podcast episode two. Welcome. How you doing? It is myself, and I'm joined by Brent. Hello. Good, good evening. Or good, good evening. <laughs> good whatever it is where the listeners are listening. Yes, exactly. You'll notice that there is no Jason. So Neil, myself, Brent, but no Jason. Uh, I'm not actually sure where Jason is. He, I assume he's sleeping. It's 2 p.m. He usually sleeps in, but uh, he didn't tell me that he wasn't going to join us. And there's no notes by him in, in the uh, podcast share document that we use. So Jason is MIA. I have no idea where he is, but uh, the show must go on. So, Dad, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Oh, glad to help out. We, we make our notes individually. Uh, but all together so we can kind of see each other's notes. So this is going to be a bit of a shorter podcast because usually uh, I allow myself or I, I allow the podcast to not be swallowed up by all of my notes. I make sure that uh, Jason has some stuff to talk about and you have some stuff to talk about. So the emptiness of <laughs> of not having Jason here has left a bit of a time slot where we were expecting to have some of his notes to talk about whatever he wanted to talk about. So so it might be a little bit shorter than uh, normal, but regardless, we're, we've got lots to talk about. So the season started this week. Uh, Dad, how many games did you watch? Overall, in their entirety, I probably watched about four or five games of all that have been played since Wednesday. Yep. I'd say, actually, maybe just a little bit more than that, maybe six or seven total. Uh, the first night was a huge night. I think everybody and their dog was watching hockey. And I was watching teams I don't even really cheer for that much or maybe don't even really care for that much. I was still watching them because maybe there's individual players on those on those teams that I'm really excited for. So it was just a really, really good first night of hockey in the NHL to start the season. And then since then, it's been wonderful hockey ever since. Last night was all the big Saturday games. So uh, I can't. I don't even know if I can pick a favorite. Do you have a favorite game that you've watched so far? I... The quality in, in the in the games I have seen has been through the roof. Uh, the, the play has been excellent. They don't look very rusty at all. Um, watching new players fit in with their teams, watching Joe Thornton play with Toronto and and contribute, not just be a figurehead on the roster. Um, I, there's a lot of individual stories I like about the games. Overall games, while well, being a Montreal fan, I guess the one I liked the most was last night's game, and we'll eventually <laughs> get to that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's only the second game for the Canadians, and uh, they – after uh, what I thought was a pretty good game in game one against Toronto on Wednesday night, uh, they they really stepped it up on Saturday night's game in Edmonton. So um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm obviously thrilled about that game. But overall, um, I saw some some pretty high spirits uh, between uh, Boston and New Jersey. I, I like that rivalry that's setting up. And uh, I, I watched a little bit of the Minnesota-Los Angeles game that... Uh, Barely went into overtime. Uh, we'll talk about that game too. So there's been some great, great hockey out there already. Yeah, that specifically the New Jersey Boston game. I'm glad you mentioned it because it is one of the seven or so games that I watched, and it was it was low key one of the best regular season games maybe of any season that I've watched. It, it felt almost like a playoff game a little bit. It was physical. There was there was a fight actually. We'll get into it, but yeah, yeah. it's a really good game. Uh, so. I, there's actually not many games on today. I think there's only two games on, if I remember correctly. So we're not really going to talk about any games to come because there is only two games. We're going to focus more on what happened in the past week. And one of the things that happened in the past week, and this was this kind of came out of nowhere in a way. Like Pierre Luc Dubois has apparently publicly stated that he would like to play in Montreal. Now there is an additional rumor that I'll get into after this, but has another team involved. But Apparently, Montreal and Columbus were speaking before the season started, trying to work something out. Montreal and other teams as well, because lots of interest in Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, but it didn't happen. And they're being very patient right now, which is which is fine. But he has requested a trade, apparently. Montreal is his number one choice. It's, it's a little difficult because Montreal, while they do have assets to trade, there aren't really assets they planned on trading. So... Do you do you make the sacrifice? Uh, I'm not really sure. What's your thoughts on this? You, Pierre Luc Dubois is an obviously easy fit and good fit in Montreal, but as a Canadiens fan, what uh, what are you going to give up? Oh man, I like he's an elite player and he comes from uh, the right culture. Uh, he he's essentially would be treated as a hometown boy, uh, of course, and uh, he would be a great fit culturally for the team and for the fans. 
Uh, I would give quite a bit, actually. Um, I have a, I have a, a poison pill. I think I'd throw in the trade deal, though. Um, I have ideas. I, I know Kakanyemi's been talked about. I know Suzuki's been talked about. I, I wouldn't want to touch Suzuki. I think I think he's going to be a, a fabulous player for his whole lifetime, and as much of that as possible in Montreal. Kakanyemi, I'm not so sure. Um, he got off to a great start. He did very well in the playoffs last year. Uh, and you know he's he's off to a pretty good start this year. But I just I, I he just even in the in the Saturday night game, I watched him fairly closely, knowing that he's his name is coming up in these rumors. And and there there's some plays that I thought he made where he turned away from the puck, where he should have turned towards the puck, and and he was a little tentative on on some of those uh, encounters he had with Edmonton. So uh, that obviously doesn't tell the whole story about him as a player. I really like him as a player, and I hope Montreal can find a way to hang on to him. But my idea here is either a straight-up trade, Pierre-Luc Dubois, for Jonathan Drouin. It would solve so many problems. I I don't think that Columbus would appreciate that trade too much. I don't think... uh... No, they wouldn't. And that's why I think Montreal would have to sweeten the deal. So so do you put Drouin and throw in Kotkaniemi for Dubois? Um, What happens in that case is you've got, what, five and a half million cap hit for uh, Drouin. You've got a five million cap hit for, for Dubois. They're only a year apart in the length of their contract. So that would more or less even out. And if Montreal also puts Kakanyemi in there to sweeten the deal, um, it actually brings Montreal down a bit, gives them some cap space, and they can start fishing around. I would do that deal. I think getting rid of Drouin is more important than getting Dubois, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Pierre Dubois is, is, a, is this one of the centermans that, that Montreal needs. They're, Montreal has centermans now but they don't have the depth up the middle that they that they really need to. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois would be a perfect fit in Montreal, in my opinion, uh, desperately. Desperately they need him. But I, I'm i worried that they would have to give up a little bit too much. I think you're right with Drouin, just from a cap perspective. they Montreal doesn't have the cap to just bring in Pierre-Luc Dubois for assets that aren't in the NHL or picks or whatever. They have to move a body, and Drouin is the obvious... Uh, choice. I believe he's paid the most of all the forwards in Montreal. Um, yeah. So it would it would even out financially for the team. I I'm I'm on the fence with Kakanyemi because I see a lot of potential there. He's he's a thin kid, but once he you know once he bulks up and stuff, he could be a possibly a power forward later in his career, or, you know, in his late twenties or something like that. So I don't want to miss out on that. But I'm worried when I hear names being thrown around like Romanov and. Uh, Cole Caulfield, yeah, and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, I would those be guys more. Are untouchable. Yeah, I, I would be more in favor of Drouin and maybe some upper tier assets, not superstars. Uh, not that Cole, Cole Caulfield is going to be superstar or Romanov, but you know you understand what I mean. Maybe Drouin, Evans, uh, Ryan Paling. There's still, I I don't know how to feel about Ryan Paling. He's it's a bit wishy-washy. He needs more time to prove himself, I think, in the NHL. And, uh, he does. There's a, lot, there's a lot of potential there, but I, I just don't know. And, and you look at Evans, how Evans really blossomed even in last night's game and got that goal. He got his own rebound and, and put it in. Um, Evans has toiled. He's been in the U.S. Uh, college system for several years, and he played for a couple of years with Laval. Uh, he really was under the radar on the big squad, and all of a sudden he's there, and he's fitting in perfectly. So maybe paling heads in that same trajectory. Maybe Caulfield heads in that same trajectory and the players that are worth keeping. So I, I agree with you. Uh, I would be reluctant to move some of those prospects. Uh, and Kotkaniemi will probably fill out even more. He has thickened somewhat since last year, but he's still a pretty spindly guy. Yeah, he is. And I don't think uh, the other asset that Montreal has, and there's a bunch, but uh, Primo, or Primo is... I don't think it's really an interest point for Columbus. They're pretty set in net for uh, for the future. So I don't I don't think Montreal can dangle him at all, and I don't think they should either. So yeah, Montreal's in good shape goalie wise now with Jake Allen on. He's only on for I think the one year, or is that just one year, right? For Jake Allen, so I think far? it might be two. Okay, if even if it's two, because um, you're thinking Primo and Lindgren and the other goalies that are on their way up, it would still probably be seven or eight years before either one of them would ever be considered a starter. So you could probably ship one uh, of your upper-end prospect goalies and just sign Jake for a longer period of time if he works out. 
Yeah, I, Carey Price, you know, if Montreal doesn't do anything in the next two or three years, and he's coming up on the last five years of his of his life in the NHL, he may request a trade and go somewhere else and try and get it done, and as he should. He deserves he to should. go somewhere where he has a better chance to do it, and I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I think at that point, you're right. I don't. You said eight. I think that's a little bit too far out, but yeah, we're probably four years away from Primo taking the net um, at the earliest, and... It's going to be good for Montreal for that transition to take place. I think Price has served his time and stuff, but it feels weird talking about planning for Price's exit from the Montreal Canadiens when it feels like he just entered the league, honestly. It's time flies so fast it's crazy. I remember the draft when they chose him in 2005, and I remember all the shaking heads saying, what, what, what are the Haps doing grabbing a goalie uh, that high up? That's crazy. And it was not crazy. Yeah, I think it was. A, did he go fifth overall or sixth? Uh, Fifth or better. Yeah, I think it was fifth. Yeah, it's pretty high. Oh, yeah. But uh, anyways, that leads me into a segue for more rumors in the NHL. And uh, I'm going to stick with the Pierre-Luc Dubois thing. Apparently, he also wants to play for the Rangers, or he would consider playing for the Rangers because he, know, he knows Panarin, he's played with Panarin, uh, and he likes Panarin. So he wants to play with Panarin again. So I don't know how much actual validity is in that. That's more of a loose rumor, not so much concrete and public. But that's uh, that's what I've heard there. And then there's still line A rumors floating around. I, it just feels like I've been talking about this for two years, or we've been chatting about this. Is he going to go to Florida? Is he going to go to this place? I'm just I'm kind of tired of it. If it's going to happen, it just needs to happen. Or Winnipeg needs to get their crap together and uh, and make it work because right now it's just drama, and it hangs over the Winnipeg Jets franchise and and their heads. Just put a nail in the coffin and either trade him or say you're never trading him and then actually don't trade him. As, as some of the commentators last night said in some of the uh, kibitzing about, about Lion A, at least in Lion A's case, unlike Dubois, who seems to have taken his foot off the gas a little bit in Columbus, with Lion A, he's still charging uh, when he's playing for Winnipeg. And his goal last night, or the one I saw anyway, is testament to the fact that he's uh, still outputting a lot. And as much as he may not be thrilled in Winnipeg, he knows that while he's there, he's going to have to produce, and he is producing. So... I think that takes a little bit of the urgency factor away. But other than that, I do agree with you. Uh, it's the long game that counts, not the short game. And if the long game means that you have to make a move and move on, turn the page on this, uh, then that's what they have to do. Did you see his first game this year in the, in the, I forget who it was against, maybe Vancouver or Calgary. Anyways, he got in a little tussle behind I the did, net. I did not, no. Is that, you don't see pissed off line A too much. But he was pissed. His helmet was off. His hair was ever everywhere. His face was red. He was swearing. He was trying to get at guys. He, you should watch the clip if you haven't already. It's it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, and then the last rumor that I have, which is a very, very loose rumor. I just heard it today from a couple of different sites online uh, talking about a, a pretty big interdivisional swap in the East Division. I honestly put no faith in that rumor. I've never heard anyone with any kind of credibility in the hockey world talk about it. So right now it's just kind of a pipe dream. I have no idea what teams are involved. I have no idea what players. That's all I heard. So, Yeah, I, as we discussed last week, I'm I'm not a big fan of the exactly how they line things up, but but now that they've lined them up and they've started things in motion, it's frozen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on to injuries. Uh, did you see Varlamov take that shot up high yesterday? I did. I did. I felt it was Clutterbuck, wasn't it, that uh, took that shot? I think, I think it was, yes. Yeah, like when I first when it first hit him and he went down, I thought, oh, that's just, you know, he's just getting getting his injury figured out as to how bad it is. And then, man, he yeah. got up slowly and they drag him off the ice. And I don't know. Uh, remember that? <laughs> maybe you don't. There was a tennis match last summer where Novak Djokovic was ticked off and he just, just batted a tennis ball towards the back and it hit a line judge in the neck. Yes, and I remember was, that, yes. He was down for a long time. And that was just a tennis ball. <laughs> Yeah, and he, he was kind of whole, almost like he was holding up his shoulder like it was dislocated or something, or his, his whole arm. He wasn't moving it very much, and obviously it was dislocated, but if you break a collarbone... Well, that's right. Yeah, All that like, weight is just, yeah. Most people break a collarbone that's out here somewhere, but but there's a there's a big knob on both sides right here, and, and don't say it. Um, yeah. Anyway, there's a protrusion uh, that's right about here. He could get a bad bruise there at the very least, and maybe even a fracture of some kind, and that could be weeks and weeks uh, out of action. Oh, uh, and that's just not a uh, an injury that keeps you out of hockey. Like it's tough to sleep, 
and stuff to shower. Like, oof, I broke a rib once and I took months of like painful sleeping. So uh, I've never broken a collarbone, but I hear it's it's also just as painful. So that's not good news for Varlamov and almost not fair as well for Sorokin to come in when he didn't think he was even going to play. That's right. And, you know, they lit him up. It was at five, yeah. nothing, I think was the end of the five game. Nothing. But yeah, you can't fault Sorokin on that. Uh, no, no, he, he's not warmed up. Obviously every goalie has to be able to play and ready to play at any time, but there is a reasonable expectation. There's mental preparation and that kind of stuff that, that he would have gone through getting ready for this game. If he'd known he was going to be starting. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And there's a pressure there as well, because if a goalie gets pulled and he and Sorokin has to go in, then he knows he probably can't do much worse than the goalie that just got pulled. So there's not a huge amount of pressure. But to start to to know that you're going to start a game five minutes before the game starts is just a whole nother level of pressure. The whole game is on the line at that point. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't blame him too much. Yeah, but it's not just the goalie situation there. The Islanders wouldn't weren't were not able to put anything past Georgiev uh, <laughs> either. So like that, like the Islanders. Yeah you know, should have got two or three goals in that game just just in the normal course of business, and they didn't do it, so... I agree, yeah. Uh, Sean Couturier will be out at least two weeks with a rib injury, so that's obviously tough for Philadelphia f- fans, but uh, only two weeks for rib injuries. That means it's not a break, and it should be pretty minor. I guess I'm assuming just a bruise or something. There was a technical term that they threw out and i don't remember it and i didn't write it down and i can't pronounce it anyway so was it costochondral maybe yeah uh, something like that something that looked yeah. like colonoscopy <laughs> well there, there are some uh, there's some muscles and cartilage and stuff that kind of hold the ribs together and uh, uh they can be distressed without the ribs themselves being broken so i'm guessing that it could be a costochondral injury i didn't yeah, hear would... i didn't hear what it was but that's just yeah. i'm 98 percent sure that that's what it was but uh kudos to you for knowing that term yeah and the uh, like, I, I saw a, re- a replay of the hit when it happened. I didn't think it was all that bad, but it's all about angles, right? So, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. it's all about angles. Uh, and then the next one, Borovsky, still questionable to start for the Florida Panthers. He was in training camp. Uh, he looked okay, and then apparently they're not going to start him for the first game at home or whatever. So, keep an eye on that. Uh, but that's all I have for injuries right now. If there if there were any other injuries, I don't, I didn't hear about them or I didn't read about them. Do you do you count uh, COVID things as injuries? No. Uh, okay. No, right. not really. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, surprises so far this season. I'm kind of interested in this kind of conversation with you because I I came up with a video recently talking about the five teams that I'm excited for, and while I'm still excited for all those five teams, a couple of other teams have kind of sparked my interest a little bit. So I notice I can see your list. You've got two written down here, and I've got three, but we both have one of the same teams. And that's the Ottawa Senators. So yeah. what? What about the Ottawa Senators have kind of surprised you so far? I just think their jump and their enthusiasm. Uh, I haven't watched in depth uh, the games that they've played, but I've watched replays and I've read some media. Uh, they're young. They're they're fired up. They're they're ticked. They're probably not happy that they're not being taken for uh, for real, and they're going to go out and and get things, some things done. And uh, that first game against Toronto, I thought, was an example of that. And even their comeback in last night's game. I know we'll talk about the games later, but uh, their comeback and close to tying the game late, uh, I thought was was just awesome. I if I if I was an Ottawa fan, I wouldn't be getting my lawn chair out for the parade that will uh, not happen in July. Yes. However, uh, and I don't even know if Ottawa has a reasonable chance of getting into the next or the first round of the playoffs. But I'm a lot more optimistic after watching the start of the season than I would have been a couple of weeks ago. It's, they're not really playing angry. They're just playing, they're playing like, they probably saw all the, all the media and people pegging them in a certain position in the, in the uh, Northern division. I, I think I put them last, so I'm included in that. People underestimating them. And I don't necessarily think that they're pissed off at that. I just think that they're using that as motivation to prove how good they actually can be. They have so much talent. Uh, I was worried about them defensively, specifically in net. And it's been pretty good so far. So if they can get consistent uh, defense and good goaltending, it, it's a team that can compete and could potentially sneak into the playoffs and maybe do some damage. Like It's not like they're a totally anemic team. Like They have the pieces there, it's just... I didn't think that they would be as consistent starting out. So if they keep up with that, 
man, that's, you know, I've, I'll be the first to admit that I'm wrong about the team. And I hope they do well. You know, they're a Canadian team. I, but I hope, hope they don't do too well because uh, I'm a fan of the Canadians. So That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, like, I don't think Ottawa is in any danger of uh, breaking into the, the, the jewelry cabinet in the Hockey Hall of Fame and hauling a bunch of trophies out of there and <laughs> walking around with them. Not this time, but uh, yeah, like you, uh, there's there's obviously some gaps they still have, but so far it's so good. Like when they were down 3-1 last night, they didn't quit. They just kept on humping away and uh, they they almost humped their way back into at least a tie game. So <laughs> Yeah, lots of humping going on. <laughs> Uh, the Detroit Red Wings is the next one on my team or on my list. And they, <laughs> it's hard to do worse than, than they did last year. So again, kind of like Ottawa, their expectations aren't super high, but I just fa- has, I found the team to be playing a lot more feisty than they did last year. And with that said, at the end of last season, they actually were playing some decent hockey. So maybe they're continuing that trend over to this year, but they've been more physical this year. They've been harder on the puck along the boards and stuff, winning more battles along the boards. They just seem to to be a little bit more emotionally engaged. They're keeping the games competitive, and uh, you know they're 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 playing very well. They're playing better than some really good teams. So full marks to, to Detroit. Maybe they'll surprise us this year, but I just wanted to throw them in there as a surprise this year and a team that I've uh, genuinely kind of enjoyed watching. Have you gotten to see any Detroit? I have not, and I have not really been paying attention to Detroit. I just, while you were talking about them, I pulled up the standings and see them halfway up. Uh, of course, Florida and Dallas haven't played at all, uh, and they're all in the same central division. Yeah. Uh, so the tale isn't really told there about how everyone's going to do, but right now Detroit's in fourth place. So, Yeah, there you go. Uh, and I noticed you have Arizona on your list. Uh, I did. What about, what about Arizona surprises you? Just where they are. Um, they were, well, until... Uh, last night, uh, no, I guess last night they won as well, but they, I, not having studied it, not having paid much attention to Arizona, I just thought that uh, what we saw in the last year or so was more of a flash in the pan and that it would be hard for them to replicate that kind of success in, this year and into the future uh, with uh, with who they have on board. But uh, they've, they're off to a good start. And I think for a little while they were on top of that West Division. Uh, I thought, and maybe I got that wrong, but uh, no, they couldn't have been if they just won their only game. Anyway, they uh, they 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 play well so far this season. Yeah, uh, but now I see them. You know, like they're well, they're tied with Colorado and St. Louis, and St. Louis, by the way, what a rotten game they had. uh, Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, but but I just think that Arizona is uh, is a team that I would expect to be at the very bottom again, uh, and just based on two games. I mean, how can you figure it out, really? But uh, it looks like they're they're taking themselves seriously again, at least, and that's a good thing. It is a good thing, and uh, they they did have some success last year, but if injuries can stay out of their lineup, then I think they can be pretty competitive. They're a fun team to watch. They really are a fun team to watch. Uh, very underrated watchability in the NHL. Uh, the other team on my list was the Devils. I am not a New Jersey Devils fan. I don't think you are either in any way, shape, or form, but I guess we talked about it early in the podcast that game against Boston gave me a, a little bit more appreciation for New Jersey. And they, man, they were right in there the entire game, and then they got it done. And it was a it was a physical game. It felt like a playoff game. That's the kind of New Jersey I want to see. There were still some defensive lapses, <clears throat> Subban. But still, overall, they played well, and they, they were way better offensively than they normally are. So I'm not saying I'm super excited to watch the next New Jersey Devils game, but... They they piqued my interest, and uh, if I have a chance to watch them, I'm gonna. That's great. I I I thought the same thing when I well first off they they get on the board uh, first uh, in the game against Boston yesterday. When Bergeron tied it up though, that was that was a gross miss on the part of Subban. Uh, they came they were coming in two on one uh, after Subban basically let the breakaway begin, yeah. and then. And then he turned his back on the, on the play when Bergeron took the shot. He just kind of spun around and and turned his bum to the play. And, it was a uh, weird a weird move he did. I don't it was know. very <laughs> weird, but but very typical BK Subban. You just don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, that's the problem. Like he 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 did the worst thing he could do, which was not make a decision either way. Either you take you, you lay down and and you try and block the shot, 
or you go right for the guy and you check him or whatever and take him off the puck. And I don't, he was too far over to take the, the passer. Uh, but he just kind of did this weird like crouch over thing that was looked like he was maybe going for hip check kind of, but then he changed his mind and just kind of like, I don't know, it was just weird. It, it was completely ineffective. It was because uh, I, I forget who was defending on the other side for New Jersey, but the man was covered, not very well, but he was covered. I mean, all Subban had to do was face Bergeron and basically neutralize him, but he didn't. He kept backing up and then at the end of it, he turned around and said, okay, go ahead and take your shot. <laughs> And he did. <laughs> it was definitely weird. <laughs> it was very strange. Um, now, it was, uh, I think, the, the most interesting and fun part of the, the whole game was that last second, like 1.7 seconds left. Uh, Igor Sharangovich, or Sharangovich, or how, how do you pronounce that? Yeah, Igor Sharangovich. Sharangovich. Man, 1.7 seconds left. That, that backhand from Severson, was it? Um, that got the puck on his stick with no time left, basically, and they won the game that way. Jack Edwards, you could just feel the air going out <laughs> of Jack Edwards in that game. It was awesome. Yeah, it was it was great. And then the first period, we had a fight uh, between Miller and, and Wood. Miller sloshed Wood. It was just a, it was an embarrassment on Wood's part. Uh, and in Wood's defense, though, he got his jersey up over his head and he couldn't see. So, but still, it's a good fight. It, it was a good fight. Wood got the last laugh, though. Of course, he scored the opening goal for New Jersey once he yes. got out of the box. So. <laughs> So all it did was, like, it was actually probably a smart move for uh, um, for Boston to try to, you know, egg him into that fight because I think having Wood off the ice, he's been a great performer already this season, having him off the ice for five whole minutes and you're only giving up Miller to do it, I, and it's and it's Kevin Miller. Uh, yeah. to do it, uh, I, I think that's a win for Boston, and for that whole five minutes, New Jersey wasn't able to score, but not too long after... Uh, after he got out of the box, Wood was down there and, and scored a goal. So um, I I wanted to know a bit more about why. And I had not seen game one between the two teams. So I, I all I could do was read. I couldn't find actual highlights of either of the incidents where Wood interfered with, uh, with Tuka Rask. Uh, but I read about it. Apparently, one of those two calls, probably the second one, was bad enough that, that Boston wanted to uh, get back at him for it. So... I don't know, but like in both of the interference penalties that he had in that first game, Boston actually scored on both power plays, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, hmm. yeah, but if you still want to fight him, go ahead and fight him. I mean, the fight was a win. Yeah, but more, fi more fights, the better, I think. Yeah, but it was only 12 seconds into the game, so it's not really, uh, it's not a momentum changer because at this point there's no momentum. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, we just had some technical difficulties on the camera side of things, so you audio listeners wouldn't have seen that, but my face was completely frozen for <laughs> a long time. We're still uploading highlight videos on the YouTube channel, so I needed to fix the, the video portion. But anyways, we got that fixed, and we, we kind of segued accidentally into talking about the Boston-New Jersey game, which was ironically next on my list of things to talk about, so it was a totally fine segue. So let's continue that and review some of the, the uh, Saturday night games. The San Jose Sharks... And the Arizona Coyotes were the next game, I think, yesterday that happened after the Boston-New Jersey one. Did you watch any of that, or did you watch the highlights or anything? I did not, I'm sad to say. Sorry. Well, th that's okay. There were some weird bounces in the game. Uh, Jones didn't play that great. Um, it was it was an exciting game. I wasn't cheering for the Coyotes because I'm a you know, Sharks are my second favorite team. But it was, it was a good game to watch as far as nice goals and some weird bounces and stuff. So... Uh, it was decent. The next game after that was the Islanders and Rangers game. And we, I guess we did talk a little bit about this already, but Varlamov got injured. Sorokin went in. He got lit up. Uh, Georgiev played amazing. Great pressure by the Rangers the entire game. Uh, Panarin was was good. Uh, Kapokako was really good. Uh, just kind of a a bit of an unfortunate event in the warm-ups for the Islanders. And they also just couldn't score on Georgiev. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Edmonton Montreal game. So this is I know you watched this game. Oh yeah, I think I heard of it. <laughs> Montreal really did dominate the first a little bit of this game. Montreal was Montreal was all over Edmonton. It was like it was like they had a power play, but they didn't. Kind of it, thing. Many many stretches were like that, uh, and you could tell. Uh, and for me, the most annoying way, and I do want to have a, a little rant later on about TV coverage and how bad it was, because uh, it was bad. But one of the things that was bad about it was they kept eliminating the clock and replacing it 
with so-and-so's ice time, total ice time. Oh, yes. And uh, they did that a lot for Edmonton because they were hemmed in their own zone quite a bit. So they'd start saying, yeah, that defenseman, he's been on the ice now for two minutes. And they'd throw his ice time up there instead of the frigging score in the clock. So uh, anyway, but that was an an indicator of the trouble Edmonton was having in their own zone. It's an interesting stat, but it does not uh, have more importance than time left. No. Definitely not. Or even shots on goal. Yes. Like sometimes if I see a couple of shots that I would call shots on goal, I'm looking at the shot thingy, the little tiny shots on goal box to see if it goes up. And a lot of times it doesn't. And I think that the shots on goal home home ice person is not being as generous to uh, to the visiting team. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Price was dialed in. He looked amazing last night. He was he was pissed when he let in that goal late and broke his, and ruined his shutout. He was pissed. He was very pissed. Very that, pissed. I think that's a good sign for Montreal moving forward this season. Uh, a pissed off Carey Price for letting in one goal is a, is a good Carey Price. That's right. Like if, if, if you are upset with a 5-1 win because you think it should have been 5-0, then that's awesome because you're going to come next time and the time after that and the time after that until you are happy. Exactly. And, and hopefully his pissedness will remain <laughs> with him all year. His pissedness, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, Montreal also did a really good job clocking up the neutral zone. Edmonton had a really hard time entering the zone. And in, in their own zone, Edmonton, Edmonton just didn't do a great job defending. Lots of puck watching. Lots of just losing simple battles along the boards and stuff. So not a great game for Edmonton, but a really good game for Montreal. Hopefully I can say that a lot this season. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully so. And I didn't realize until after the game when I looked at the odds, Montreal was a 115 favorite to win that game. Excuse me. And that's probably correct. And and if people had bet on that betting line, then they would have, uh, you know, won a lesser amount of money because Montreal was the favorite. But I thought Edmonton would come out with more. Me too. I Uh, actually picked Edmonton to win the game. Yeah, I, I thought Montreal would really be struggling. And, you know, it's the first, well, they, they made a mistake last night and said it's the first game of a five-game road trip. And I thought to myself, well, didn't they play in Toronto the other day? <laughs> Isn't that a road trip too? Yeah. Isn't that part of the same road trip? You <laughs> idiots. But anyway, um, and then they play Edmonton again on Monday night, and then it's further west. So mm. um, I thought looking at, at down the barrel of a long time away from home and all that, I, I just thought it would be uh, – a little harder for Montreal to get up for the game, but not at all. Edmonton did have a good start. Probably the first two or three minutes, Edmonton was well, it looked like they came to play, and then something happened. They all fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I saw... Sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I just saw lots of things in the game. Some things I really liked and some things that I was less impressed with when it came to Montreal. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of Josh Anderson. I think that's a tremendous pickup. He is a dominating force. My favorite part about Josh Anderson is that he'll shoot the puck from anywhere, and that has been a huge problem for Montreal for the last decade, is is trying to be a little bit too fancy, uh, not shooting when you have the first opportunity, and maybe wait, trying to wait for a better one. He just shoots the puck. He'll, he'll be skating out of the zone, turn around, and shoot it into five bodies. And, you know, most of the time it doesn't work, but the fact that he just does it and goes for it and sometimes he doesn't make the pass when he should he just shoots it i want to see that because that's something that has really plagued montreal shoot the damn puck so that's right that's my favorite part about him and when he's on the rush and he does shoot the puck he doesn't stand there and admire it he goes in after it exactly yeah which is awesome yes um yeah i thought uh the the first tatar goal or i guess did he only get one last night but that that goal by tatar yeah where where nurse goes over and tries to hit Gallagher. I mean, he went the entire width of the ice and basically missed Gallagher. But it took Nurse out of the game, really, or out of the play, and in goes Tatar, and that was the end of that. But it yeah. was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, um, I wasn't as impressed with Tyler Toffoli, frankly. I think he was a, still a plus more than a minus in the game. So I don't think he was a liability necessarily. But there was one time when uh, he was going in three-on-one, and he had the puck with two other guys and only one defender. And uh, I thought his, well, he whiffed on the shot. And uh, I don't know if that was an equipment problem or just mm. he got excited. I don't know what happened. but And, you know, he's a veteran. So it's not something you'd expect to have happen very often. And, and it didn't happen again. But but I'm, I'm not so sure that, you know, Toffoli really is settled yet. But uh, I'm certainly willing to give him some time. Yeah, we're two games in. I, 
I thought we'd see more of him so far. But yeah. uh, I'll take, you know, the big risks this year were Anderson and Toffoli. Not that they're really risks, but one of the two is performing as good or better than I was expecting. Uh, so I'll take one of two. Hopefully the second one can join us pretty soon and, and be more competitive. But Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I thought uh, late in the second period, Drew had an offensive zone hooking penalty that I thought was terrible. Yeah, uh, it was terrible. Montreal fought off the... Uh, the penalty kill there in the Edmonton power play, but uh, it was a, a horrible penalty. It's one of the reasons why I'd like to see him gone. Um, man, Romanov, he's another guy that I'm so impressed with. Heck yeah. He just, he just, you know, for our purposes, North American hockey, he just appears out of nowhere and he is just fantastic. I'm, I'm extremely happy with him. He fits right in. He's even got the right number. You know, he just rolls in there and skates around as if he owns the joint. And yeah, I know it's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm excited to see him get on the score score sheet a little bit more. I really want him to score a goal. Yeah, yeah. So overall, look, it was a great game. Um, I was uh, extremely impressed with with how Montreal. Although in the third, they did kind of take their foot off the gas. They started trying to protect the lead a little bit. They weren't as dominant in the Edmonton zone in the third. Um, and I think they paid the price for that in giving that one goal up, and it could have been more. So, you know, just further lesson to Montreal, and I'm sure they got it in the dressing room, to keep your foot on the gas. It's 5 nothing. Don't don't let up. Make it 6 nothing if you have to. Just exactly. stay in the Edmonton zone. Don't don't be uh, too too easy on it. So Yeah, uh, exactly, yeah. yeah. It was great. Uh, anything else to add for, for that game? Not on the game itself. At some point, we're going to talk about uh, just the overall broadcast itself and the coverage, I hope, and uh, yes. I have some comments on that. All right, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Toronto-Ottawa game, seeing Joe, Joe Thornton scores, his goal was was pretty neat. Oh, it's yeah. still odd seeing him in that jersey. I fully admit, it's just it's just weird for me, but uh, he seems to be fitting in pretty good. Uh, Stutzel, or Stutzle, scored his first NHL goal. I always thought his name was Stutzel, but apparently it's Stutzle. Yeah. Do you know? I it is uh, Stusla. Stusla? Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it was great. Yeah. But just back on that Joe goal, it would, the whole play was made possible by, by Mitch Marner in an unbelievably intelligent move. Yeah, like it was. was. Coming across the blue line, he put his stick down and stopped the puck with the shaft of his stick. Yeah. And then he backhanded it to Joe and away it went. Uh, just like, ah, the, the, the hockey IQ that that kid has is just amazing. And he's a... He's, he's a real treasure for Toronto. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not hard for him. He just like, yeah, it, it just, it just happens for him. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, the Maple Leafs had 40 shots on net and Ottawa only had 19. That is to me, the typical Toronto that we know recently, the os- onslaught of offense. That's just, that's how they win games. They know they're not the best defensive team. And I still am frustrated seeing Maple Leafs fans trying to defend them defensively. They're they're just they're, they're in the bottom half of teams in the NHL for as far as defensive teams. But in the offensive end, throwing up forty shots, quality shots. Uh, that's how they win games. So Toronto played exactly like they they should. Um, just pepper the net with shots from all angles. They got a lot of talent. So I'm glad we saw that from the, the Maple Leafs last night. But Ottawa made it interesting. They they sure did, and they made it interesting when they when they had to. Um, Campbell was good for Toronto, uh, which I don't think it's it's probably way too early to start goalie talk, but uh, Campbell did well after Anderson did not do so well in the previous game. He uh, made some big saves last night. Yeah, he did. Like there was, like you say, only Ottawa had only nineteen shots, but but some of them were quality chances, and and Toronto like. You know, I, I totally agree. Toronto is just going to swarm you with offense on the presumption that, yeah, they're going to let in some goals. They just their only mission is to score more than they let in, and uh, they they were able to do that. Um, the thing with Stutzla, and I think what really snuffled Ottawa's comeback uh, after he scored his goal, uh, which was awesome, but then he takes a late penalty with like two and a half minutes to go, and that just yeah. basically ended the chance that Ottawa would have had for for a comeback, but. Nevertheless, they still, like once that penalty was over and they had 30 or 45 seconds left at five on five, uh, Ottawa swarmed the net pretty good, of, you know, and they could have had a goal. There was a couple of like point blank chances and things, and it could have been a 3-3 game going into overtime. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been a very, really exciting overtime as well, seeing him out there and 
couple of the other players. So maybe we'll see it next time. These teams will play each other a lot. So did you notice the penalty on Cedric Paquette when he gloved the puck after the faceoff? Just I didn't see that. There was basically they were just having a regular faceoff. It had been offside, so they were dropping the the puck, and Paquette was knocked down, and he. You know, he was just scrambling on the ice, and, and, his, and his glove hit the puck and knocked it back. It was on purpose. But then when they called a penalty on him, he's almost like – it's almost like he didn't know that was a penalty. Oh, really? Yeah. Just the look on his face, he's talking to the ref. He's like, what was that? You know? <laughs> it was hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll have to go back and look at that. Yeah, it was really good. It was um, – I'm trying to remember where to find it. But you could obviously look at the box score and see what time. But yeah. it was it was funny afterwards, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next game, the Carolina-Detroit game. I don't think you watched this one. Is that correct? That's correct. I did not. Yeah. So, I mean, Detroit played pretty well against a really good team in Carolina, but uh, Carolina was doing a lot of puck watching in their own end, and a lot of those goals, a couple of lucky bounces too by Detroit. Um, Carolina had more chances, but Detroit honestly just paid, played more of a an opportunistic, I guess, style of game, and uh, they got it done. They they did more with, with less, basically. The Columbus and Nashville game. Did you watch this one at all? I did not. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't either. Actually, I didn't watch any of this game. I just watched the highlights. So just quickly, from what I could see, uh, Saros was fantastic. Uh, exactly what I wanted to see from from a Nashville goaltender. I'm so tired of them going back in between uh, Prekarene and uh, Saros. Just for the love of God, just want to just play well and be consistent. And Saros was amazing last night. So hopefully he's in net next time, and I hope he does just as good. The Anaheim-Vegas game. Did you see any of this one? Uh, no. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, this game basically just went exactly like I thought it would. Gibson keeping the Ducks in it the entire game and playing amazing and uh, and ending up losing a, a close game, but they really shouldn't even been in the game because of Gibson. Gibson was was, was amazing. Uh, Pacioretty with a nice OT goal on a 2-1-1. Uh, not much chance for Gibson there. And it was seven seconds, seven seconds into overtime. Wow, neat. That's yeah. good. And I see just from the from the uh, highlights that Mark Stone got assists on both those goals for Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain leading by example, which is great. There you go. And then the last game, I believe, was the Calgary Vancouver game. I did watch that. You did watch this one, so you saw how good Markstrom was. I did. <laughs> He's so good. He's so good. Uh, if they go deep this year, it's hundred percent because of Markstrom. So that that was a fun game to watch last night. Both teams had over thirty shots. So it was pretty evenly matched that way. Uh, I just felt there was a bit more effort from Calgary. They look like they look exactly like the Calgary team that I know they are. But I feel like every time I watch Calgary, that's not the Calgary that I see. So I'm really glad that I saw that Calgary last night. Great. And even though uh, Holtby let in three and and they lost three nothing, and Markstrom got a shutout in that game, Holtby had 35 shots and he stopped 32 of them. That's a 914 save percentage. He he has nothing to be ashamed of. No, with, with a record like that coming out of that game, he's obviously not happy uh, with it, and nor nor should he be happy. But he shouldn't be too ashamed either. Like he's he's an elite goalie, and he will show that this season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the goals—I don't know if it's the second one or third one—but he made the initial save, and I think it just popped down, and uh, someone was able to 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 get it in the net. I can't remember who it was, but uh, yeah, he played he played well, and it sucks. You know, you lose, you let in three goals, and. Your team yeah. doesn't score any, but many play well. He did, and two of the three were on the power play. The first two goals were power play goals. So five on five, he only let in one. And the one he let in, the very last one, the, the goal by uh, Matt Tuchuk, uh, he went back. Basically, he was behind the play, and Vancouver didn't, I don't know, they didn't know he was there or didn't care. He was basically standing on the side of the net, uh, and the puck came to him, and he put it in. Like, yeah. All by himself. It, it wasn't a goal that, that really Holtby should have had because – uh, Chuck should never have been there. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and that wraps up all the games from from last night. So we can segue into the next section, which is talking a little about the TV presentation, some ads around different areas. So we'll start with the helmets. So we talked yeah. about this last week. We kind of theorized, you know, it's not a big deal and stuff. But now that you've actually seen the games uh, from different teams. Have you, is your opinion the same? Do you still kind of like not care or do you find something distracting? How do you feel about ads on helmets now? I think I officially not care. Um, I, I don't find them distracting at all. I think they're tastefully done. They fit well, except of course the Scotiabank corporate colors are red. So you see the Scotiabank logo on a blue helmet looks kind of stupid. 
but um, <clears throat> like the Montreal, just having Bell written there. And to anyone who's a Montreal fan who's watched uh, Major League Soccer, Bell is you know featured prominently on the front of the soccer jersey. So uh, it's not an out of place thing. It's the Bell Center where they play. So it's a good fit corporately for the team. And same thing with Toronto, Scotiabank. They play in the Scotiabank Arena. Not that I'll ever call it that, and I know you won't. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I am too. And like you said, Montreal uses Bell. But Bell also is on the helmets of Ottawa, if I'm not mistaken, and Winnipeg. So, And and Scotiabank is on Calgary's helmet as well. So it, it works in Calgary because red on red are red with red whatever toronto not so much so i've actually taken a picture or i've found a picture of every single ad on helmet this year and i've ranked them that's so awesome that's a video that will be coming out uh i don't think next week but the following week so i'm i'm preparing that one now but it was really interesting to go through all of them and see how bad some of them are and how kind of good some of them are and they just fit right in montreal is a good example of that one winnipeg um toronto not so much but yeah well i'm excited to make that video yeah and and, and i'll have to be honest here and watching the boston new jersey game i didn't notice logos on helmets and if they had logos on helmets they were unobtrusive enough that they didn't come to my attention so that i guess would mean to me that they're not in the way well boston's kind of a weird one because they've got the td logo on their helmet which is green a color that they don't use but I think for us on the East Coast in Canada, we're so used to seeing, we're so used to watching Boston games because they were in the Atlantic Division, um, and just in general, Boston games are on TV a lot up here. The TD green is on the boards, it's on the ice. We're so used to seeing that logo incorporated with Boston that I, I just, I don't notice it on the helmet because my mind is already used to it. So it, it works in Boston, even though it technically shouldn't. You could have put sense. a you could have pointed a bow and arrow at me or put a gun to my head and asked me to tell you what the Boston logo on their helmet was. <laughs> well, that's good. That's yeah. good. That's, I mean, it's good, but it's also bad because you're not recognizing the ad, which means the advertising advertising is failing. Yeah, that's. Uh, I always get a kick out of that when I see a, a really cute commercial on TV and I remember the content of the commercial for how funny it was, but then I don't remember the product. <laughs> that's obviously a miss, right? Exactly. Um, ads elsewhere, digitally on the ice. Have you noticed these? No, I haven't. Oh, well, then you are on the opposite side of me because they're driving me crazy. Okay. Just on the other side of the blue line in the middle, not on the sides, there are digital ads on the ice. And they changed every time the camera pans the other way and goes back up the ice. There's a new ad there. No. Yes, and it's driving me crazy. On the Canadian games too? Yes. Specifically the Canadian games. I didn't notice. Yeah. It, it's it's not too bad, but once you notice that, you, you can't unsee it. Well, now it's you're driving me nuts. for me because I'll be watching for them now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we have to talk about the arenas. And I have to applaud a lot of these NHL teams for making the arenas appealing to viewers who aren't there. And it shouldn't matter what the arena looks like for, to people who aren't there. They just care about what's on the ice. But teams like Calgary have done an amazing job with the surrounding uh, seat coverings and stuff. Uh, have you noticed these at all? Do you care? Well, how do you feel? I don't care quite as much, but I have noticed. And, I, and I've paid a little, little bit of attention to what's behind the glass. Uh, one of the best things that's not behind the glass anymore is netting, uh, which I know is a different topic. But uh, I, I like, I like what they have done and I'm still, still yet trying to figure out how this is that much better than a bubble to actually play in these home arenas. If there's no fans in the seats, like what's, what's the benefit there, but if they keep up with their decoration and maybe their their sound system and, you know, at least this time now when a team scores in their home rink, they get a horn. Yeah. And when the other team scores, they don't which back in the bubble, both teams always got a horn when they scored, no matter who was the home team. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I guess if you're the home team, you get to go home to your family, you sleep in your own bed. Uh, and also they're assuming that hopefully later on the season, maybe fans are allowed in certain arenas. So, Yeah, and that's my assumption. That's why they're doing it. They're, they're certainly going through the motions and they're practicing for uh, maybe a, hopefully a near future when they start to let fans trickle back in. Uh, 
you might notice the hat I'm wearing today. Green yeah. Bay had seven or 8,000 fans in the stands last night for their playoff game against the Rams. And they were distanced. They had some, you know, up, up above blimp type helicopter shots from above. And there was quite a few fans in there, but they were still socially distanced quite nicely. Like, you know, family groups and then a space and then a family group and a space. And it seemed to work. So maybe, of course, they're outdoors, but maybe mm -hmm. that bodes well for uh, indoor arenas like NHL rinks too in the future. Well, I think Arizona's actually letting fans in to see the game. So uh, I haven't seen any images there, but uh, yeah, maybe we'll see. But uh, you, you mentioned you want to talk about, a little bit about television broadcasts and stuff. What's what's that about? I do well. For one thing, uh, there's a new there's a new announcer on CBC or on Sportsnet who's uh, doing the Edmonton home games. And uh, his name is Hanarayan Singh. Uh, and I've seen him for several years now doing interviews with players. I've not actually seen him do play-by-play. -play. And he's actually quite good. And he's, he's going so to end up being very, very good. Yes. And I'm he... very excited to have him on. Uh, so he's fine. And the color commentary was Louis DeBrusque, I think. Yes, and uh, they're, they're a pretty good pretty good duo. And I'm, I'm really encouraged for what that's that's going to look like down the road. But right now, I think... I think uh, Singh is watching the play very closely and almost maybe too closely because he's missing other things. And there was a few times, like in the second period late, there was uh, like, we have a whistle. But they didn't know why there was a whistle. I knew why there was a whistle because I was watching the play. And the, <laughs> refer the referee was making the, uh, you know, high sticking on puck on a high stick sign. But neither announcer knew that. Um, so I think the you know the play by play uh, needs needs some work, but I think it's going to be really good, and I'm very encouraged. I think it's important in hockey to have uh, to have the diversity that we're seeing on CBC Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I think these people, it's obvious that the people that you see uh, on all the broadcast, whether they've been there for 20 years or there for two years, uh, everyone who's doing these broadcasts is there because they're good. They're not there because they tick off a box or something. And that's yeah, very exactly. important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they introduced him a little bit. Um, and I, I I recognized the voice, but I didn't recognize the face until they until they showed me. And then I'm like, oh, it's that guy. He's that. This is awesome. So yeah, yeah. I thought he did wonderful. And I, I can't wait to hear more of him. So shout out to yeah. that guy. Yeah, very, very much. A very big shout out. Uh, in keeping with tradition of the recent years, though, they missed tremendously missed some face offs uh, during the coverage, sometimes showing replays that were lasting five and six seconds into the play. You can actually hear the real play taking place. You can hear the, the skates carving the ice and you can hear the puck hitting the glass and you know that they're playing, but you're still watching some replay of a coach, you know, drilling in his nostril or something. And uh, <laughs> God, it just that drives me crazy. And then this thing I mentioned earlier uh, in the podcast where the they have this tendency now to take the clock and eliminate the clock and replace it with someone's ice time or yes. or someone's, you know, just some other trivia fact about a player. Uh, and it takes up the entire clock and it's gone. Like I would I would fire people for that. I would <laughs> if I was in charge of of the broadcasting enterprise for for Canadian hockey broadcast, I would say. Anyone who eliminates the the score clock and the score at any time for any reason will be fired immediately. Mm. That's what I, I agree mean. with that. I'm on board. Add another panel somewhere. Show it some other part of the screen. I wouldn't like that, but if you want to show it, show it. Or sometimes, you know, you know, in last year, they would actually flip out a little extension of the clock and show scores in other cities. You know, they would do that quite a bit, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but just leave the clock where it is. Don't fiddle with that. But they have to eliminate it. And now I don't know what's going on. I don't know if there's two minutes left in the game or seven. It's the only piece of information that that we at home can't find. If we're, like, if we're in the arena, we just look up. But being at home, it's the only piece of information that we want, and it always needs to be there. Yeah. So I'm, I agree with you. Uh, makes me so mad. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there was, uh, there was one, too, where Louis said, uh, someone from Edmonton was in, I forget who it was, took the shot, but it was a pretty good shot. But basically, Price was down in his crease. He was over on the right-hand side of the net, and the puck came in and actually hit him on the pads and then bounced up and hit him in the chest, and then he smothered the puck. But the Louie was saying, 
yeah, you know, he, he took a shot and he hit Price right in the crest. No, he didn't. He hit him in the pad. And the puck <laughs> bounced and hit the crest. Actually, the shot was really good. It almost got by the pad into the goal. It was yeah. an excellent shot. But uh, come on, Louie. You've got a replay, too. I'm sitting there in my basement. I know what's going on. How, how, how can I know what's going on? You don't. Um, and they're still sitting up high, too. I, w- I wonder if they would call the game differently if they were lower, where fans um, usually sit. You know, they might. They might. I'm surprised as it is with how well they usually call the game, considering how far away from it they are. It's true. When there's crossbars or posts, especially, or if something hits the outside of the net, or like they seem to know right away what happened. Oh, yeah. Whereas I'm not sure as if you were sitting at home. So so I'm already impressed with what they do see. And, and I don't expect them to be perfect. But I mean, I'm sitting in my basement and I'm perfect. So <laughs> obviously, obviously, I'm kidding. Um, there was one miss, I think, in the broadcast last night. And I thought it was a, a, an opportunity to illustrate a really good play. And that was when, and I don't know if you noticed, I think it was in the third period, but Romanov was at the blue line and he was trying to stop the puck from getting out, trying to keep it in the zone. But he went to to hit it with a stick and something happened to his stick. Uh, I don't know if the blade came off or it broke or whatever. The stick looked okay to me, but obviously it was uh, an illegal stick suddenly. So he dropped the stick and he skated back into his own zone without a stick. And then... Uh, to Foley gives Romanov his stick. So Romanov I, now has to Foley stick. You see yeah, that? I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. And Romanov stayed in the play and he dodged around and he tried to do what he could without a stick for a while. But eventually he sensed that the, the play it was safe for him to go to the bench. So he scoots off to the bench. He skates out of the camera view. The next thing you know, the puck is going down the ice and there's Paul Byron almost on a breakaway because he would have come out obviously to replace to Foley. Yeah. And, and that whole thing, you know, it was Romanov breaking the stick, skating back in, the Toffoli handoff to Romanov, Toffoli leaves the ice, Paul Byron gets in almost behind the play and gets the puck and almost has a really good scoring chance out of that. To me, that was an entire interesting thing they could have talked about. It's like it never happened. Oh, I remember seeing the replay for it. Maybe it was after the game or something. Oh, maybe. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. But like I was watching the game, so that's just the most incredible thing. And this is what I think that... that uh, Harnarian has to, to do, and all the all the play-by-play announcers, no matter how long they've been there, be better at telling us what's not within five feet of the puck. Be better at telling us when a team is changing. Because we can't always see in the camera angle that a team is changing. I can sense that they probably are because there should be five guys there and I can only see one. <laughs> so the rest are probably changing. But like, be better at telling us what's happening in the periphery where we can't see. Or... On the other hand, pull back, get out of those stupid close-ups and corner shots, and let us see what's happening away from the puck a little bit better, too. And it's not just hockey. I just finished watching the Manchester United-Liverpool game. And they do the same thing. They miss stuff. They go in for these close-ups. They show replays when the play is underway. Um, I'd fire them, too. <laughs> well, that, that's the best part about watching a game in person is that you can you don't have you're not forced to look in one area you can see what's going on at the other end of the arena if a goalie takes a drink in the middle of play you can see that not that it happens a lot probably but yeah. still it's such an insignificant thing but just knowing that you can see that and you can pay it pay attention to wherever you want on the arena or in the arena is is the best part about watching a game live i think other than just saying that you saw some players in person but yeah they definitely need to need to be better at telling us what's happening uh, not just right beside the puck, elsewhere on the ice. So I, I'm a, in agreement with you there as well. Great. There, there's there's so much beautiful about the game of hockey that takes place, uh, you know, away from the main play. That's also very important. And and as I've said a couple of years back, I won't drone on too much more about it. But if if TV producers just went to a game on an off day and stood on the at, with their back to the glass and looked up into the crowd once we have a crowd again and watched what the crowd is looking at and then tried to develop an understanding. Whatever the crowd is looking at right now is probably what the viewers want to see too. So just show the viewers the same thing, right? Yes, I agree. I agree. One thing I, one thing I don't miss is these camera crews uh, panning off into the crowd to show someone uh, when I want to see a replay or something, you know, like that's, that drove me crazy last year and every year before that. So 
And something else that I don't miss anymore. Oh, bang on the glass. <laughs> there's no one there to bang on the glass. It's been absolutely beautiful. It's like I've been reborn. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, that probably wraps up uh, that section on ads and uh, sports telecasting or whatever you call it. Yeah, of course, there is another slight little media story that I think is funny, but uh, you can oh. raise that when you want to. That's uh, uh, where they're, the, the Philadelphia interview. Uh, yes, the closed room slamming the reporter calls a reporter a weasel and also said, it doesn't matter what I say, Mike, you're going to write crap anyways. And he didn't say crap. He said the other word that I'm not allowed to say. Well, it wasn't uh, Giroux. It was Voracek, I think. Oh, Voracek. Sorry. Yeah, I yeah. said Giroux. Yeah. Actually, I even have Zeru written down here, but it's Vorchek. Yeah. I apologize. That was hilarious. And and they talked about it a lot with Brian Burke and stuff on the Canadian telecast last night. And he was like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I love it. I, I, yeah. To me, that's a, that's a feisty player. That's a player that is ready to win, honestly. He's, just, he doesn't, he's not taking crap from no one. He's tired of it, and he wants to win. So good on the, him. The best part was he was sitting on the left of the viewer, and over on the right-hand side was Travis Konechny. And he, he has no idea that Voracek's about to pop off on this Mike yeah. guy, whoever. And Konechny's got the bottle, and, you know, Voracek starts going, and Konechny's like, <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> He's trying not to laugh. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, I, I really like that, actually. I hope we see more of that. It reminded me a little bit of Tortorella and some of the crazy things that he's done with reporters. So yeah, that reporter in, in New York, Brooksy used to call him, you know, yeah. and he, Oh man, he was savage with him. <laughs> yeah, and it, 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 that, that's all fine and fair. I hope the NHL doesn't clamp down too hard on people who do that. Uh, and I'm a little worried that Gary's worried about the image of it. So I hope they let them go. Yeah. I, maybe a warning, but hopefully nothing too serious, but yeah, yeah. that wraps up that. Uh, the last thing that I have to talk about in this podcast, I just want to give everyone an idea of what's to come actually in the coming week on my channel, the, the main channel, Post Post Productions. So I'm going to list you off a bunch of videos coming this week uh, just to give you a heads up. So uh, I got an ELH jersey ranking. I forget what league that is. <laughs> it's in Europe. Uh, I got fan mail unboxing. So both of those are coming Monday. On Tuesday, we've got NHL Adidas dark jerseys ranked. Uh, and Wednesday morning is going to be a reverse retro hoodie unboxed, which, ah, I love it. Uh, and then Wednesday night as a video that I filmed two years ago with Chris, where we tried snacks from Sweden. I filmed it or we filmed it the day before I broke my ankle. And the next day I planned on editing that when I got home. And of course I've spent that night in the hospital so that video just never got edited. It just, it was pushed to the side because I had more important things in my life to worry about. But, wow. and, I, and then I just forgot about it. So yeah, a little less than two years ago that was filmed. And uh, so I'm going to edit that and put it out Wednesday. And there's actually two more other than that that I'm going to release in the coming weeks as well. But after that on Thursday, Reverse Retro number 10 is going to be unboxed. And also on Thursday, I'm going to rank the France Magnus League logos, if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, an NHL league over there, or not an NHL, a hockey league over there in Europe. Uh, and then on Friday, I'm unboxing two Adidas jerseys and uh, kind of a controversial video, but I decided to make a video that is one change I would make to every single NHL team's jersey lineup. So that's coming Friday night. Some people will be angry about that. Some people will be happy about that. Uh, Saturday is going to be Reverse Retro number 11 unboxed. Saturday night is going to be OHL uh, alternate jersey concepts. Uh, the Ontario Hockey League, for those who don't know. And then Sunday is Reverse Retro number 12 unboxed, and then the next version of this podcast. So that are that is all the videos coming this week, unless something crazy happens, like an arena collapses or something. I don't know why I said that, but... <laughs> hopefully with nobody in it. Yeah, hopefully nobody in it. I don't know why. That's the first thing I thought of, but <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. But yeah, that's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. Wow. I, uh, I, I'm really frustrated with the camera situation. I know you audio people doesn't mean anything to you, but my camera has froze twice so far and it's not even on right now. And I don't know why it's doing that. So I need to go remedy that and figure out what the heck is going on. So well, maybe, unfortunate, but maybe you'll have to do what Richard Petty told me to do that time when I was trying to take a picture of you with Richard Petty. Oh yeah. The camera wouldn't work. 
the camera was fine actually it was an old uh slr but where you pulled the the uh, the lever back to advance the film back in the days when there was film yeah uh, if you pulled it halfway back you got a light meter and if you pulled it all the way back it would actually open up the shutter and i pulled it halfway back and given it to the other guy to get a picture of you and me and richard petty together and of course the shutter wouldn't go mm. so richard petty says why don't you just take that around back and beat on it for a while and come on back later <laughs> so maybe that's what you've got to do with your camera there boy you just gotta take it out back and give it the dickens maybe maybe, maybe so. <laughs> all right well dad thanks for joining me for this podcast i appreciate it uh still no word from jason so i have no idea what's going on there but hopefully he's all right and uh yeah thanks guys for watching i appreciate it if you are listening listen to listening to us on itunes google play all that good stuff feel free to leave us a review on there we'd love that uh, we do upload the highlights of this podcast on the podcast channel on YouTube. So if you're not subscribed there, please go and subscribe. And of course, if you're not subscribed to my main channel, Plus Plus Productions, please go subscribe there. I upload on a daily basis and as of late, uh, basically two times a day. So I'm having fun with that. Thank you again, Dad, for joining. Thank you guys for listening. And I'll see you guys next Sunday for episode three in season number five of the Plus Plus Podcast. Adios.